Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready to be energized and have some serious fun. This is the Energetic Education Podcast. Introducing your host, Dale Sidebottom. to episode number 52 of the podcast and today I have another treat for you. I have been fortunate enough to catch up with Rocky Biasi of Human Connections. Now Rocky runs an amazing program called the Accidental Counselor and why I really like this is because I know personally when I was teaching that I was always in these situations where I'm like, I'm not trained to deal with this situation. I'm a teacher. I can't handle this. Whereas we actually need to be able to handle these situations because students trust us. We're role models and we need to be able to help them out. So Rocky is a world leader in this. He's got an amazing online course, not only for parents, students and teachers, but he also runs workshops all around the world. So today's chat is full of absolute goodness from Rocky and I'm sure you'll be able to take away some really good tips to be able to handle those conversations with students that you currently teach. Rocky, how are you buddy? I'm really good Dale, good to be with you. Thanks, mate. I really appreciate your time. Now, for my listeners out there that don't know anything about you, Rocky, I know that you've got 20 years experience as a teacher and in the field and running amazing workshops and everything like that. But can you paint your picture of the past 20 years of how you started just dominating everything you're doing? Um, Okay, Dale, what I'll do is, um, if you don't mind, maybe just start a little bit before that, but I promise I won't take up too much time Go for it, um, mate. Talking, talk, talking about myself. <laughs> um, I, I, I like to tell people because I think it gives some perspective these days around um, school education, the pressure around the final years for students and pressure on teachers, you know, to provide results, you know, schools and all of this um, that I actually, so I'm, I'm based in Sydney, New South Wales, and I didn't complete what we have here is the HSC, the Higher School Certificate. Um, I'm 53 years of age. The reason why I tell you that is because when I left school back in the early 80s, the way we rolled back then, Dale, was that the only reason you'd ever do your final years of school, year 11 and 12, was if you were going to go to university. That was its purpose, Right. And so even though I did teaching for work experience in year 10 as a 16-year-old, my teacher and careers counsellor said to me, mate, I don't think you're going to really cope that well. We don't think you're going to really get the results to go to university and be a teacher. Why don't you leave school now and get a job in the bank? Um, (laughs) So that sounds a little bit strange. Right. So a lot of people laugh and they find that a little bit surprising and strange. But for those people who are my vintage, that they, when I talk about that in a workshop, I usually see them nodding their head in recollection. They, they remember, you know, the way it used to be. Uh, <clears throat> so the reason why I say that is because I actually went to university in my late 20s. I was almost 30 years of age, actually. Um, and... And so this whole business about, you know, um, you've got to do well, you know, so you can go to uni, so you can, uh, I don't think it's quite the the right message we need to be sending to our young people. I think we should be talking about character and character strengths. Um, And and I'm happy to talk a little bit more about that. So yes, Dale, I started, um, I I, I didn't sort of finish school, go to uni, then back into school. That's not my story. Yep. Um, I worked in the bank for a few years. I, I really didn't like that. Then I left and, um, you know, did some other things, had my own retail businesses. Just, um, 
And and like I said, I, I went to university to do my education degree uh, back in the mid '90s. And one year in to that, I, I was having major like life changes, and probably people would call it a midlife crisis or more. But seriously, my 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 dad passed away three days before my 18th birthday. I had undiagnosed post-traumatic stress, a whole bunch of stuff. I didn't even know what that stuff was, mate. These days, when I go into schools and I speak to kids. They, they all put their hand up. They get it. They understand what that is. But back then, I didn't know any anything about any of that. Uh, I think we've uh, evolved and progressed a lot more around mental health and mental health education. So I was pretty much given some ultimatums by people who loved me to say, you've got to get some help. I was very resistant and very reluctant. And I went to see a counsellor. And I went – and she was amazing. I was very lucky because, you know, we don't – there's great teachers and not so great. There's great counsellors and not so great, like yeah, in any profession. Uh, yeah, and, and so she, she was just brilliant. She, she was awesome, and I loved it, and I really just took to it. Like I devoured every single book she gave me, and then I just said I, I, I spent uh, a week uh, – I, I would see her weekly for six months, you know, and that was an, a really important part of my life that time because it just changed everything for me, you know. It really helped me a lot. And so I said to her, where did you learn to do this? And she laughed and said, well, you know, that she majored in psychology, but she said, really, we didn't do what she called interpersonal counselling. She said, I learned to do that at the Institute of Counselling, which no longer exists because they've amalgamated with the Australian Catholic University. So cutting a long, long story short, Dale, um, in, my second in my second year of education, I enrolled to do this counselling degree. And so by the time I started teaching, in 99, um, I had two degrees, one in counselling and one in education, and I spent 10 years as a high school teacher, as a year coordinator, uh, then I spent three years as a school counsellor, I've been a counsellor in private practice, and in 2008, I created the Accidental Counsellor Workshop, and I've been really blessed to have been able to present that right across Australia and New Zealand to thousands of not just school staff but other staff also. Yeah, mate, and I think it's pretty pretty impressive to go back to university at such a such a like old age. I suppose people may look at that now, but do you think? And I suppose being a teacher and teachers listening, that we don't often teach character or life skills in the subjects that we actually teach to students. So, do you think by actually going out, working in a bank, working in retail, starting your own businesses, do you think that really gave you life skills and real life experiences that you could use to then obviously go to university and realize bang there's something missing here I want to go and help yeah absolutely you know um for instance mate here's a funny story right I start uni I have no idea about anything so I had to work really hard go to all the studies excuse me go to all the study skills uh classes they had at lunch times and you know, all the extra support stuff they'd put on. I was going to all of that, mate, because I pretty much left as a 16-year-old and didn't pick up a book, was not academic in any way, and so I had to um, really, uh, you know, catch up. So, mate, the very first assessment that I did, we're talking character here, right? Yeah. yeah. I spent about I spent about 30 hours doing it, <laughs> you know, and I, right, right, see, Dale, so you're laughing and Sorry. this is what happens, I'm right? I'm just chuckling. No, Sorry. no, no. <laughs> No, 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 no. That's cool, man. Because that's that's that that's that's genuine. It's the truth, right? Like, and so, um, 
because I, I, I didn't know. And like you're saying, you, you're, you know, you're saying, hey, mate, you worked in the bank. You, you had, you'd had all this other experience. So the fact of the matter was, yes, I wasn't a natural when it came to academic study, but I knew how to work hard. And, you know, because I've had, I had that prior experience and this meant a lot to me to get the opportunity to go back to university and to reboot my life. And so I wasn't going to take it. For, I wasn't taking it for granted. Uh, you could tell that I had a completely different mindset and attitude to the young people who had just finished their, you know, um, final years of school and, uh, you know, then, then 18, 19 year olds and have, you know, they're in their first year at, at uni. Um, and, and so I walked out after I was, this assessment was given back to me, I received a distinction, right? Yep. And that really changed my mindset because we've all got um, negative thoughts and beliefs. You know, um, I, I can't do it. I'm not good enough. That was very strong in my life. Um, and it still is at times, but I can recognize it and it doesn't take a hold or effect like it used to. Uh, but what happened when I got that distinction was I, it really, um, as I say, uh, interrupted the pattern of thinking because I just all of a sudden from I can't do it I'm not good enough I'm not going to be able to do this to wow I can really do this if I work hard and if I get the right help I can really do it so my thinking changed and oftentimes when I work with teachers and they're working with students they say how do we get our young people to change their thoughts and I say well it's it we need to help them take action so they can experience some success. Just saying to them, think positive is not going to cut it. So we need to have evidence that, yes, I can do it, some taste of success. So when I walk out, I'm in the, in the quad at uni, and I'm in a bit of a daze, and one of the young blokes come up, some one of my young mates, and he said to me, hey, Rock, how'd you go, mate? What'd you get? And I said, mate, I just can't believe it. I've got a distinction. And these guys, they knew my story. They were really happy and high fives and congratulations. And then one of them was really smart. And he said, hey, man, how much time did you put into that? And so I, I, I didn't know. I just went, oh, I don't know, mate, about 30 hours. Yeah. And so they all just laughed. They laughed and they laughed. And I was taken aback and I said, well, what are you laughing at? And they just kept laughing. And I just went, no, I was getting actually a little upset. I go, what are you laughing at? Come on. And one guy said to me, put his hand on my shoulder and he said, hey, dude, just relax. All you've got to do is pass. <laughs> and, and I suppose so you just gotta... that comes back to different life experiences where they had just come out of university and experienced anything. They didn't fully appreciate how lucky they were to be at university and doing what they're doing. Whereas you'd come as a 16 year old straight out of school, you know, you'd have to work, you'd have to do the hard yards, and now you were able to experience this. And the D to you meant the world. It, well, it did. It, 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 it... It told me, it made me believe in myself, right? And 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 so we're talking character. Here's the thing, you see, Dale, as a 30-year-old going into university, failure, not completing, was not an option, was absolutely not an option. I was still pay, paying a mortgage. My wife and I were packing shelves in, in a supermarket at night so I could go to university. So I'm really big on character and character strengths that comes from the field of positive psychology. But, I mean, really, this has been around before then. Positive psychology has just brought some science to it. And so when I'm speaking to young people and they say to me, oh, but I don't like this subject, oh, but I'm not, this is not relevant to me, but I don't really feel like doing that. I, I just say to them, this is not about the subject. 
this is about you. This is about you and your ability to develop good habits and discipline because what what the young people are telling me, because I've presented to over 100,000 year 11 and 12 students in Sydney, um, Dale, and when I ask them what's the cultural message around the HSE or your own Victoria, the VCE, you know, the equivalent final year exams for our students, what's the cultural message? What these kids are telling me, every workshop over the last 10 years, all of them say to me, you've got to do well because it sets you up for life. <laughs> and so I say to them, that's not true. You set yourself up for life, right? Now, the HSE or the your final exams, the VCE, whatever it is, they're important, but they're not important for the reason you think. So I have a bit of a provocative message. I say to them, the HSE is important because it develops your character. You know, are you going to quit on yourself? Or when things get hard, are you going to stand up and persevere and keep going? So that's, that's I think, the, the, the message I like to give. And, and so to your question, are we doing enough of that in schools? Now, I mean, if teachers are listening to this, Dale, they're thinking, are you kidding? We've got enough on our curriculum plate to be doing that. But I just think that it's part of the natural uh, conversation in a classroom. You know, Definitely. like you need to be able, you need to be able to. Um, a good teacher will be able to needs to be able to provide a why, a reason for why we're doing this. And so, if algebra or learning a language may not be what what the kids are into or find relevant, I say it's actually not about the subject. It's about you. Right. Here you are in a, in a difficult situation. You don't really want to be here. You need to actually. So what are you going to do? Are you going to disrupt the class? Are you going to just switch off? Are you going to go to sleep? Or are you going to say, this is not really my cup of tea. It's not really relevant for me, but I'm going to do the very best I can anyway. And so when you start thinking that way, you start developing really powerful habits for life. Perfect, mate. No, I think that's a really powerful message. And I think the way that you would do it, and, and this is, I think, one of the best teaching strategies out there. I know majority of teachers use this, but storytelling. So the way that you just explained those two scenarios, you know, the two different questions I had, you use story to build that. And that is how you build engagement. So I could see you exactly the way running your sessions, telling the kids a message through a story. And how powerful is that, mate? Look, you know, um, that's ex exactly right. Um, Dale, I, I say to people, I teach with story. I, I hope that doesn't. Uh, some people don't like it, you know. Like it's it's the minority, mate. I've had feedback; it's probably two percent. Yeah. But you know, some people just go, "Oh, it's, he's just talking about himself or his stories." And I really try not to do that. I try to be a. I, I try to um, tell a story that that you know um, makes a point about a concept or a strategy that we're trying to do but you know human beings are storytellers mate i mean throughout the ages that's you know before we had language and we were reading and all of that we were telling stories you know it's it's very powerful and primitive human yeah. force i think yeah i agree mate but not only that it's not talking about yourself you're building rapport as well because you're letting down the boundaries and you're saying look i'm i'm vulnerable right i'm not perfect there's things i do wrong you know and by doing that, by bringing a message across a well, you'll win people over. I'm sure people listening to this podcast, teachers out there are like, wow, Rocky's admitted some really powerful things already about like your father, about leaving high school at 16, you know, the struggles of working night shift and things like that. And through your stories, they now want to hear more because they trust and respect you. Yeah, 
Well, no, I hope so. <laughs> well, I, I, I reckon they do now. Mate, I, I want to get on to the accidental counsellor because um, for me personally, I, I remember when I was in schools and I was dealing, my last teaching role was five years and I, um, I was at a company called Cedar and I was teaching elite young cricketers, Rocky, and my job was that I was their only teacher and it was, I was isolated at a cricket club with these kids and I thought personally that I was more of a counsellor than a teacher because some of the issues I was dealing with it wasn't to do with teaching. It was just with these young 17 to 18 year olds a lot. So I was a counsellor that didn't know how to deal with it and I was way out of my depth. So is that sort of what you've created here? I know you, I know you run a lot of in-person workshops, which are fantastic, and you can't beat that. But you've also got the online aspect. Would you like to explain a little bit more about that? Yes, about the accidental counsellor. And... Yeah, just just like, because yeah. I know personally when I've, I've read up and I've speak to you quite often now, um, but for me personally, when I was doing my previous teaching role for five years, being isolated and I had no, I didn't feel like I had much support, um, this would have been amazing, mate. I just didn't know anything about it. Yes, yeah, that's, that's exactly right, Dale. And so, um, you know, I'm now, you know, in school, I'm teaching, um, I'm, you know, the, the principal could see pretty quickly that I had some skills and realised I had another degree and very quickly made me like a year coordinator, like a head of a year group. And um, and and what I realised, Dale, is that there were some fantastic teachers who really cared about their students and were spending hours and hours trying to help them. And if they only had some some of these skills, some of these um, quote-unquote counselling skills, it really would have made their life a, a lot easier, um, you know, because sometimes they'd get caught in the trap of maybe giving advice or, or telling the student what to do or maybe not quite listening or asking a question that took them away from a solution. Um, they meant well, but they just didn't have these skills. How would you? You know, you've done an education degree. You didn't do a counselling degree. So um, my principal said to me uh, one day, you'll have to, because I was doing, he said, I, I was racing the class, mate. I, and so he said to me, you'll have to formalise your informal PD one day. And I just went, yes, boss. And, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know what, what he meant or what he was talking about. Yep. But then years later, years later um, I had the idea of um, creating this accidental counsellor workshop um, to help school staff. But the thing of it is, Dale, we, it's really we get people who are not um, teachers or school staff coming to the workshops also. One of the controversies, mate, again, it's a minority, but I, I want to flag it, is that people say, hang on a second, we're teachers, we're not counsellors. Uh, we shouldn't be doing counselling with the kids. And so, of course, that's true. We're not talking about capital C counselling therapy, but whether you like it or not, just as you said, uh, the young people, they trust you, they've got a relationship with you, so they come and open up to you and I'm, I'm talking about a basic common human reaction and response to the stories of distress and upset and trauma that you might hear. We're not talking about going into therapy with this kid. That's not a teacher's role. Um, but you do need to be able to listen and perhaps respond 
appropriately. And so that's really what the accidental counsellor training is about. And yes, mate, we run face-to-face workshops. We have the accidental counsellor membership. And, you know, you you did a great session for us, mate. Um, we, we did the accidental counsellor conference. So we, we had some great speakers and you were one of them. Um, and, and we've got, you know, so we've got, you know, 20, 30 hours of um, videos and um, workshop materials and resources in that accidental counsellor membership. So people can access it online because sometimes they just can't get to one of our events or they can come to our workshops. Perfect, mate. And uh, and I think the beauty of this is that a lot of teachers that will be probably listening to this aren't actually based in Australia. So um, if you're not based in Australia and your country doesn't actually have an amazing program like this, I will in the show links uh, have... Uh, links to obviously the member site and everything else that Rocky is talking about. And um, I suppose the big thing that I just took out of that is that these kids, of course, they'll open up to you because a lot of the time you are the role model in their life and the biggest influence that they have. So they are going to open up to you because they respect you and they trust you. So if you can't find a way to deal with that in a positive way, you're going to really feel like for some of these kids, they may not have anyone else. And that doesn't mean, as you said, that you give them therapy but there are ways that you can continue to help them in a supportive way as a teacher because that is our role. So check out the membership site. Um, I did do a, a presentation in there, which if you want to check out, you can. I'm sure there's a lot better stuff in there. Now, next thing I want to get onto, Rocky, is the study uh, samurai. Now, that is your library for students. Do you want to explain this? Because obviously, really important for teachers and parents and other youth workers and things to have resources, but you've also got a library for students. Yes, so so the, um, that it's it's massive, um, Dale. You know, um, there's you know over a hundred topic areas in there. There's seventy five video lessons, all between you know um, fifteen and thirty minutes in length. This is a collaboration between myself and Dr. Prue Salter, who's a great friend of mine. And Prue and I, we we would go into schools and we would run workshops. She would focus on study skills. I would focus on mindset and well-being. And that's a really great combination, you know, because sometimes you might know the practical study skills, but then it's about getting in the right mindset, you know, to be able to take action on that, you know. So we, we sort of combined and, and um, we brought together, um, you know, everything everything we know around well-being and performance. And the Study Samurai, um, Dale, ha- has five core themes, you know, um, and modules. It's about well-being, mindset. Um, we look at um, study skills, time management, and also peak performance. And we have, you know, 15 videos in each one of those areas. Um, it's, 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 it's a massive library. And it's, not meant to, it's not meant for people to go through and complete every single topic. It's just like a library. You know, you, you go in and you just go, what do I need right now? And then you um, just access that video or that information. There's different worksheets and things in there. And... Um, you know, families either subscribe to that, um, but more often than not, uh, what we find, what we're doing is that schools are, are subscribing, and so then they get a login, and all of their teachers, students, and parents they get access to all of that, and they can access it from home or at school. Uh, schools can use it as part of their programs. Um, students can access it at home, so can the parents. So it's um, really supportive because what that was the other thing, you know, Dale, uh, people were saying to Prue and I. Um, can you come and run a workshop at our school? And, you know, sometimes we just can't be everywhere. Yes. Um, and so we thought it's the same old thing, you know, how can we put some of this stuff online? So 
if we can't get to some some of the schools or some of the places um, that that people can still get access to it. And why I love that as well is because we as teachers we don't always know Rocky what each student needs. You know, each student may be going through different things. So if you just give them access, and like a library, you'll see students going to the library. Some will go to fiction, some will go to true stories, some will go to the picture books. I used to go to the Guinness World Record book because I like reading weird things. But you know, how do we know as a teacher or a facilitator or running a workshop? that every one student needs the same thing. So I think by offering a fantastic tool like that, you're allowing students to go and explore and sort of feel, right, I need some knowledge or a little bit more content in this area. So I think that's a really powerful tool. And I'm guessing, mate, that that's been a real hit with teachers, schools and parents. Yeah, it really has. You know, um, it's getting out there more and more now. Um, And um, you, you know, it, like I say, it just provides that flexibility, you know. So sometimes we will have a school where the entire year group, you know, if they've got like, uh, you know, that pastoral lesson or a study skills lesson or something like this, uh, they, they'll, they'll let maybe even do it structured and do it together, you know. Um, so it provides lessons for, for teachers. And, and like you say, at other times, um, it could be where a teacher might say, look, how about you look at this video for this student, this one here, you might say, check this one out. So it provides that flexibility also. Perfect. And, and I love that, that it's, as a teacher, you don't have to be constantly creating all these different lesson ideas because yourself and Prue, two experts, have already done that for you. Now, I think that's really spot on. And teachers out there, if you are looking for extra counselling or extra ways to improve your counselling through training, then go to the show links because it really is the best out there. Now, um, this is sort of my favourite part of the show, Rocky, where I sort of put you on the spot and I haven't worded you up about these. But um, for me personally, as a teacher, I would like just two simple tips that if I was feeling out of my depth or um, I was in an awkward situation or I'd, I just didn't know what to do and it like sort of similar thing, what would be maybe two tips or two ideas that I could focus on? Um, so do you mean if you're... Um, responding to a student who might yeah. be upset or something. Yeah, yeah. so like right. if I'm in a situation where I'm just like, well, I, I'm actually not, I don't feel confident in dealing with this and, or trained or things like that, are there any simple strategies or tips that you can just call on straight away that sort of normally work? Yes. So um, teachers, listeners, just uh, forgive this long-winded response, okay? But, but let me just say this. So, real quickly, with the accidental counsellor, there's three core aspects. What I say is that, number one, we talk about the teacher's own well-being and self-care. Because if you're not focusing on your own well-being and self-care, well, then you can't focus on the next part. There's three parts to the accidental counsellor. The next part is connection. And I'm not so much referring to the relationship you have with the student because like you already said, Dale, they trust you. They're, that's why they're coming to you. That relationship and that rapport is already intact. So when I'm referring to connection, I'm actually talking about connecting with the pain that's in the story, right? So they're telling you something and your job is to listen and acknowledge. That's connection. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in a second. And when you're connecting with the person, that what happens is they'll either verbally or non-verbally do have a reaction like this. Yeah, that's right. That's what it's like. So they'll either say it like that or they'll internally think something like that because what they can see is that you get it, 
right? Now, if so the very first tip I would say, Dale, is that if a student is, or it could even be another colleague in the staff room, if they're telling you something and they're upset, your first job is not to fix it. Please, you got to, listeners, that's the trap. Because we're so time poor in schools, what we're tempted to do is to go in and say, well, have you done this? Have you tried this? And and really what we need to do first is connect with where they're at. And the way you do that is you respond in such a way that the person feels like you get what they're saying. Does that make sense, Mike? Do you want me to give you an example? That, that, is, that is fantastic. And I think too often we don't actually take the time to listen to the student. And even listening is probably sometimes the most powerful thing you can do because that's what they want. No one's listened. They don't want you. We're not there to tell them what to do. And is that sort of what you mean? A hundred percent. Let me give you an example that's a little bit provocative, right? Um, and it might get people's attention. Okay. Oftentimes when I travel around, um, people will tell me that one of the things that they encounter, for instance, there's lots, there's uh, student anxiety and whatnot. But one of the things they tell me is that it's really difficult to be able to speak to a student if they don't want to come to school. There's their school refuses. They don't want to come to school. They may be truanting. Um, and so oftentimes, though, what happens is this students sat down and they're lectured to school's important. Your education's important. Da 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 da. Right. And and you know that that just doesn't work that well. You know they get lectured to. They, they you could even see their eyes roll. And and so what I do. Because I want to get their attention. I want them to know that I'm with them, that I'm trying to understand what it's like for them. It's empathetic listening, empathetic communication. So I say to them, you don't want to be here, right? They go, no. And I go, of course. Why would you? You hate coming here. You hate coming to school. School's not your thing. And from looking down, all of a sudden, they just look at me. And I go, right? That's what it's like for you, isn't it? And they go, yeah. And off we go. You see what I mean? So what I'm saying, Dale, is that now, you know, you want to use your own language, your own style. That's just typically my style. And, of course, you might have noticed that my language changed to try to match, you know, uh, perhaps speaking to an adolescent. But the, the key point here is this. In your own language and in your own way, when someone tells you something, you need to be able to respond in such a way that you get a yes response, that the person internally says, yes, that's right. Mate, that's, when you get that that's, – that, that's, that's spot on. I love it, Rocky. Yeah, when you get that, then, then you can start asking what I call solution focus questions, which is part of the influence theme of the um, Accidental Counselor Workshop. Uh, and and, and you, what, what do we mean by solution focus questions? Well, you can ask questions like things like this. Um, what do you need most right now? Um, how would you like things to be? Solution focus questions help the student or the person you're speaking to paint a picture of what I say is their next best step because we're not talking about, oh, here's a solution that's going to fix it forever and ever. No, we're talking about developing a vision or a strategy or a picture because, look, if you're stuck, how, how do you get unstuck? Well, you, you need to be able to know what your very next step's going to be. You take a step, you see what that's like, you get feedback, you take the next step. I like thinking about it like that, Dale. I like thinking about taking small steps um, 
to, to, to try to achieve goals and to try to, um, you know, achieve the outcome we're talking about. So solution-focused questions, they are questions that help paint a picture for the student. What do you need most right now? How would you like things to be? If things were better, if you were coping better, what would you be doing, right? These sorts of questions get them to start thinking and saying, well, I would be doing this. They'd start saying, I would be doing that. And then all of a sudden, they're giving you the answers rather than you giving them the answers. What we're talking about here is ask, don't tell, right? That's in the influence phase. But here's the trap you see, Dale, because we're so time poor in schools, we're rushing from class to class, that we sometimes people come to my workshop and what they do is they go straight to those types of questions. And then they'll say to me, you know, I asked the questions you talked about, Rocky, and it didn't quite work. And then I'd say to them, tell me what happened just before that. And what I, what, what inevitably what eventuates is that they didn't spend the time to connect beforehand. They didn't get a yes response beforehand. And so you've got to get that first. You've got to get a yes response first. When you get that, the person trusts you, they feel safe, they begin to calm down, they think you get it, then when that happens, you can start leading them with some of these questions. Was that helpful, mate? Mate, that was fantastic. And I think um, for teachers out there, like you don't, you're not there to fix everything. Sometimes it's listening and um, that can be so powerful. And, and I, I love the solution-focused questions. I think um, they are very simple. And, then, and a lot of the time that's the best thing. You know, you don't need all these amazing analogies or things like that. It's just a really simple question that will change the situation. And I love that, Rocky. That, that was really insightful, mate, and perfect. So some really good advice for teachers. And now I wasn't going to throw this question in, but I think it sort of comes back and it sort of fits in nicely what we've just spoken about. If... When you were starting out and 20-odd years ago when you were teaching for your first time, if you could look back then, so from your eyes now and where you are at the moment, what would you tell yourself? What would be the one bit of advice that you wish you could have had back then that you do know now? As a teacher? Yep. Oh, what a great question. It's a hard hard one, mate, and um, it may take a little bit of talking or thinking or anything like that, but um, I suppose it's sort of words of wisdom that if you were looking back at yourself now when you started out, and you were probably in a fortune position that you were a little bit more mature and you had some life skills and real real world experiences, but I'm sure there's something that you're like, bang, I I wish I had known that straight from the start. Yeah, well, let me tell you what a principal told me, um, and it took... And that that really made a big difference for me. So it was more his wisdom than mine. Um, and, and, and which, by the way, I, is 100% spot on. And I tell um, young teachers these days or people starting out um, in the teaching, um, you know, in, in teaching. It's a really tough gig, Dale. You and I know we've, we've done it. And um, I really, I'd, I'm not happy when I hear some of the stuff in the media or the culture where they say, oh, teachers get all these holidays or you know vacation and I, I i just think no like we, we, you know like i really needed that, that time to be honest with you um it's a tough gig i've done lots of things in my life and i can tell you that the years i spent teaching and being a year coordinator of a year group were, was the hardest work i've ever done so what happened mate for me as a young teacher is that i had a very clear picture in my mind about what i needed to do to be a really great teacher And the trouble with that, Dale, is that it was not realistic, right? And so I knew all the things that, um, you know, you're told that you need to do. But the fact of the matter is there was just not enough hours in the day or the week. And this principal one day said to me, um, 
you're going to have to learn, buddy, he said to me, you're going to have to learn how to let some things go through to the wicketkeeper. So we might have to explain that to our um, non-Australian listeners, you know. Um, And I might let you do that, mate, seeing that you're the cricket guru. But but, but pretty pretty much what he was saying was you need to be able to focus on the things that are really, really important and not get hung up on the things that perhaps aren't so important. And this is really, really tricky, Dale. Because what happens is you've got people, if you're working in a school staff, you've got your head of department, you've got all these people, you might have parents, you've got students, you've got all these people who are wanting in some shape or form a piece of you. They want something from you, you know, and you really need to be able to sift that and filter that to be able to say, no, that's not important right now. Um, That can wait. Um, and I need to focus on this. It, it's so easy to get distracted as a teacher in schools because we're bombarded with demands from so many areas. And so that's really, really hard, mate, to be able to say no at times, um, to be able to uh, neglect is probably not the right word, but, 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 but put aside something that, you know, you've been asked to do but there are other things that are way, way more important. And that, that was the hardest thing for me because I thought I had to do everything and I had to do it all now. And that created a lot of stress and a lot of overwhelm. So my bit of advice looking back now would be, um, and it takes courage, I really feel, um, to be able to filter that and say no, put things aside and really work hard on the things that are going to make the biggest impact uh, for your students and in your class. I love that, mate, and and I still struggle with saying no. I find it a really hard thing to do, and I I've just recently finished a book called Essentialism. I'm, I'm, uh, my, our good friend Jared Robinson gave it to me, and um, it is such a powerful thing to say no, and people actually respect you when you start saying no, and you only do the things that you really need to do, and you do them well instead of saying yes to everything and not doing anything well at all and just building stress and anxiety and all these things. So, Rocky, I love the words of wisdom you've given today, mate, and I can already tell that listeners out there are going, wow, I want to I hear more of this, I want to read about it, and I want to check out these resources. Now, for people in Australia, you run amazing workshops. Where can they find out if they want to go and see you in person for a full-day experience? Well, they could go to accidentalcounselor.com. Um, Dale, so thank you for that. And they can, they'll, they, you know, they'll be able to find, um, uh, you know, all of our events in Australia and New Zealand um, that people can come to face to face, and also the online um, membership that we spoke about. And mate, whilst we're doing some plugs, I've also got to say that um, you and I are doing some work together, and you're doing some workshops um, for me around mental health and well-being, um, which I think are really great. Um, so um, I really encourage people to uh, check that out also and you'll have a link in the show notes for that too I'm sure yeah yeah, I will and I suppose um, mine sorry mate mine will be a little bit different where obviously using movement play and fun um, to sort of reduce mental health and sort of help with that Um, so yeah I'm really excited to be running those new workshops and again yeah we're doing couple in sydney brisbane and in melbourne as well so they will be in the show notes as well and if you 
want to get in contact with you, Rocky, I will have your Twitter handle on there. I know you're quite active on Twitter, and listeners will be like, oh, Dale, you always bring this up, but it is such a powerful avenue to communicate with all sorts of teachers around the globe, so get on that. Um, Rocky, thank you very much for your time today, buddy. I know how busy you are, mate, and listeners will be able to take so much from your conversation today. Thanks, Dale. It was great to be with you. Cheers. Thanks, mate.